0: Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. I mean,
1: I think... I think we should start with the news this week, right? I mean, it's that's so topsy
2: turvy. I've never heard of a, such a bananas idea.
1: A, it feels like a little topsy turvy all over the place. But you know, like it's solstice near solstice. The days are long. The days are weird.
2: Oh, I'll tell you what. Ever everything is wide open in California today. So if we're gonna go from uh what was to what's now then let's flip it on its head and do news first let's get real let's get nuts with this no mask mandate
1: yeah oh perfect this i i like this i like shaking it up with weed and grub a little bit well uh, let's uh, i mean i guess we should say hello first right oh geez.
2: yeah i'm already <laughs> you've got me so discombobulated doing news first that i forgot your name what up mary jane
1: how's it going mike
2: it's going good <laughs> welcome to weed and grub everybody this is a podcast about comedy
1: Cannabis. Culture. Cooking.
2: Calling shit out. And, <laughs> and community. Community. Yeah. La la. yeah. This is a this this entire episode is about community.
1: It's about community, it's about friends, it's about, yeah, good things happening, people shaking it up. I, I mean, starting with our, let's, let's talk about the news story. Let's, let's do the Grublet Gazette first.
2: Let's do it. Speaking of community, the Grublet Gazette is presented by OCB Rolling Papers, the largest rolling paper brand in the world, crafted naturally since 1918.
1: OCB offers a full line of plant-to-puff papers made with sustainable fibers farmed within a 500-kilometer radius of their facility in France, which is powered by 100% green energy. In
2: 2020, OCB rolled out America's first ultra-thin, slow-burning bamboo rolling paper and cones. They're even-burning, no-tear, GMO-free, and vegan.
1: Not all rolling papers are created equal. OCB offers a premium smoking experience that we like to call Harmony on High. Uh,
2: ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers and sample their entire line of products. Plus, visit ocbusa.com and follow OCB on Instagram at OCB underscore USA.
1: If you like what we We do here at Weed and Grub. Please support the folks who support us. Thank you so much, OCB.
2: Yeah. All right, Community Mary Jane. Well, you flipped this entire ep on its head. What's (laughs) our news story?
1: Our news story this week is coming to us from MarijuanaMoment.net, a great resource for all of your news about cannabis. And it's a great story about the first ever congressional bill to decriminalize all drugs that has been announced ahead of the drug war anniversary that President Richard Nixon set into motion 50 years ago. That has contributed to, obviously, as we know, the war on drugs has created mass incarceration and disproportionately impacted communities of color and created collateral consequences for countless Americans who have been criminalized for possessing... You know, sometimes just a roach in their pocket. And federal district courts would be required to facilitate expungements and record sealing for those with qualifying convictions within one year of the bill going into action. The bill would withhold federal funds for law enforcement, which would be, you know, first step to defunding the police.
2: Abolish the police
1: yeah so it's a it would be a new approach to drugs it would decriminalize personal use and possession and it would shift the focus of federal drug policy from the department of justice to the department of health and human services and treat it as a health issue rather than a criminal issue which of course we all know is the way that it should have been treated always
2: absolutely so a couple things i just want to add happy anniversary you piece of shit nixon you fucking suck Uh, Secondly, I want to shout out Cory Bush, the Democrat from Missouri, who is one of the sponsors of this legislation. Shout out to my home state of Missouri, doing things right. Very proud of that. And thirdly, I just wanted to dig in a little bit more because I don't know how many people know that the idea of classifying drugs comes from the Department of Justice and not from the Department of Health and Human Services. So I don't want that to be um, waxed over or rolled up because it's... Pretty freaking nuts that something that helps with um, for mental health, for PTSD, for cancer, for all of these things is under the Justice Department. Absolutely well, the, nuts. The Not okay. The entire
1: invention of the war on drugs was to criminalize um, communities of color and people who were questioning authority, like the people who were against the war um, in the '70s. You know, against. You know war protest anti-war protesters who were protesting the draft in the Vietnam War um, the creation of the war on drugs was a way to criminalize people who were questioning authority and communities of color in a way to police them um, and that is you know absolutely been admitted to on the record by an aide to Nixon uh, we all know that the war on drugs was certainly not about uh, you know worrying about people who were suffering from the effects of drugs but it was a way to actually police communities so you're right. Yeah. Fuck fuck that anniversary and fuck those 50 years and let's start making some big differences and, and hopefully Congress can get this passed and get it through the Senate. And we'll see how it goes. I think just the idea that it's being introduced is is a very first step and, and it might be a long slog, but we're here to support it and talk about it all along the way.
2: Yeah, I really don't believe that they have any expectation to get this passed. I think that this is like their way of waiving a Let's decrim everything flag and raise awareness on an anniversary of something so heinous that the only way to combat that heinous history is to use it to propel positive information moving forward. And so I'm really appreciative of how they're trying to utilize anniversaries like this to um, get the word out about like what the history was and what we can do with our future
1: and some of the organizations behind it including the aclu and the drug policy alliance have actually shown that the public is ready for the policy change through recent polling they found that two-thirds of american voters believe that the war on drugs should end that's two-thirds like it's ridiculous that you know people are still believing the propaganda that the war on drugs is doing any good it's doing only harm, no good. And two thirds of American voters realize that and they understand that decriminalizing simple possession of currently illegal substances is a one step and the way to help and stop putting people in prison for something that should really be a social services and health issue. So it's a great story. It's at marijuana moment.net and we'll be following it along and, and hopefully bringing more news to you as, as it works its way through the, um, the halls of Congress.
2: Those are long hauls, too. So, you know, it might take a little while. Also, I think that every single day I have to believe that the two-thirds that already are down with this are also gradually affecting the one-third. Like, if every single day you can get one person's mind to change who is in that one-third pie slice, then, you know, you know that 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 equals a three-thirds hopefully eventually that's the goal
1: you're so right and you know that's the idea of community is that you know you affect change by affecting those around you and i've you know felt my healthiest when i'm surrounded by people and my worst when i'm isolated and it's so important to you know be a part of your community and invest in your community and you know, bring your message to your community. If you believe in something, you know, whatever that is, you know, talk to the people around you about it and then you can help form your opinion through some healthy pushback from those people and learning from the people around you. And that's the idea of really opening up your mind to, you know, I think one of the reasons that we're in such big trouble in in this you know, country and in the world is because people have dived into just getting their information from propaganda machines, on the internet. And if you re-enter the world and like spend some time around people and find that real community, not an online community, but a real living, breathing community of, of people who aren't necessarily all like-minded, but at least you're all like good hearted. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a healthy place. Like I really found, um, some joy in, in the past few days, spending some time with with some good folks and like thinking about community, I'm just getting a little misty about it because I had some really nice time with some good friends and and you this past weekend, so.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, if you're gonna come at me hot with putting the Grubla Gazette up top, then I'm gonna come at you equally (laughs) as spicy and say I'm doing my butt of the week right now instead of waiting until the end of our intro. Oh, okay. Because it's all, (laughs) you wanna talk about misty-eyed and people discussing big ideas and changing each other's lives. Well, my life was absolutely changed this past weekend thanks to my Buds of the Week. So I'm coming in hot, Mary Jane. Okay. My Bud of the Week, strap in and sit down. Because my <laughs> Bud of the Week this week is at AJ Grondin. A-J-G-R-O-N-D-I-N. That's Amy And also her husband, Greg, who has no IG or Insta Greg. Oh, no, Insta Greg. Uh, (laughs) And they are my buds of the week this week because not only are they wonderful Port Townsend friends whose home we stayed in when we stayed in Port Townsend last year, but this past weekend while we were in Yakimo, Washington, they taught me how to fillet an entire 14-pound king salmon, and it changed my life. I have never held a, uh, like a, like a, Sea Beast, that heavy, that with that perfect flesh, so preserved, so fresh, and then be able to use his knives that he's used on his boat for I don't even know how many years to learn how to perfectly fillet it, debone it, get that belly off. Oh, my gosh, just an absolute dream. So I just want to thank... Amy and Greg, for not only educating me in king salmon filleting, but uh, bringing such delicious like food to the table and creating an absolutely wonderful meal that I will remember the rest of my life. That's my buds of the week. Good luck following that.
1: Uh, I'm not, yes, good luck following that for sure. I wanted to say to anyone who wants to know more about the Alaska fisheries, AJ Grondon on Instagram is a great follow because she and Greg take their beautiful boat, the Armenta, up to Alaska. They're actually leaving this weekend to go and fish for salmon all summer. And it's just like an awesome look into the real lives of Fishermen in Alaska—they troll for fish, which means it's a hook and line, no bycatch fishery. It's sort of like the one of the the top ways to catch salmon. Every salmon is brought on board like perfectly, not in a net, you know, not not a scale disturbed, and each fish is perfectly treated before they're packed and sold. They're it's like the most amazing follow. So, and I worked with them. They were Greg was my skipper for years, so I learned a lot from him. He's a great teacher.
2: Before you get to your butt of the week, I just want to add um, the way that they did the blooding or bloodletting, I'm not sure what it's called, of the salmon, where they stick something in its spine and they just like suck all of the blood out of every single vein, capillary. No, what is it? Because that was fascinating. They don't
1: actually suck it out. They push it through. They put like a, a, basically a, a hose that they push to the base of the spine and then they run water and they sort of flush all of the blood out of the um, veins through, through this water. It's like, yeah, it's an amazing process. It's really, really cool.
2: It was an amazing experience.
1: We have some great pics. We just shared some on the Instagram. We'll share more and put more in the stories. And I honestly think, Mike, we could do an entire episode just on King Salmon and what Amy and Greg and some other friends from Port Townsend do. Like that's, it's just one of the most beautiful Ways to uh, be connected to what you're eating, you know, to catch that gorgeous fish and then feel what it's like to actually cut it up perfectly. And you did such a great job. Like you learned how to do it Thank you. on the fly. It was really cool to watch.
2: Well, you know, my ego is so out of control now that I've done it once that when you said we could do a whole episode about King Salmon, I was like, yeah, are you talking about me? I'm King Salmon. Is that, <laughs> oh yeah, we can talk about me for an hour. <laughs> Please, I welcome it.
1: Yeah, I would. I would want you to go toe-to-toe with me for an entire season on an alaskan salmon tender and see how you do because uh there's more to it than just cutting up the fish there's a lot of like (laughs) (laughs) shoveling and hard work and swabbing decks and cleaning and getting up early and staying up and manual labor and all that stuff you know
2: i don't know about that i know that you clean a fish once you get some likes on instagram and you're basically a pro (laughs) so let's see what happens let's do a summer on amy's boat yeah let's Let's do it let's Let's get super strong, super hot, calloused hands and, um, you know, really give back to the world that's been feeding us. I'm down.
1: And I remember the days when I worked on the tender under Greg, which is a different, now they're fishing, but we were on a salmon tender, which would buy fish from the fishermen and it was a different kind of hard work. But one of my um, really most excited moments was when I I realized I developed this special thumb muscle (laughs) and I would like flex it and show it off. Like I felt really cool because I had this like new thumb muscle from my knife skills so yeah we should do it
2: let's do it you had a like a hand
1: bicep yeah i it's the same muscle i was showing it off to someone one of my dude friends and he was like oh yeah that's the same muscle that i have from uh playing bass it's like one of the you know it's like from like using your dexterousness a lot it develops certain muscles in your hands so
2: well best of luck on the our uh armenta this upcoming
1: season who's
2: your butt of the week mary jane
1: My Bud of the Week uh, are the entire Hanson family, who are the reason that we had this time with Greg and Amy and my sister Caroline and Walt and some other friends in the Yakima Valley in Washington. Charlie and Lucy Hanson and Harper and Lark and Harper's friend Nadia were our hosts for... A few days in this incredible spot that is like a family estate and they have orchards and we ate fresh cherries and we saw hops being grown and we walked around and met some cows and chickens and what a time. It was just beautiful. And there was this one afternoon where we all brought blankets down by the creek and set up sort of, you know, to just like nap and eat snacks and a badminton net was set up and there was some, you know golfing <laughs> happening in the distance like Greg was hitting a ball around. It was great.
2: What's that painting where it's like the the person I remember most in the painting is a woman's profile and she's holding an umbrella and she has like a big box kind of skirt dress and yes. everybody's laying on the lawn. You know the painting. It's pretty I do. Iconic, I should have right?
1: I, I, I totally thought of it and I should have looked up the name of it but anyone who's listening is probably knows the title and is screaming at us like what it is. It was one of the French yeah. Impressionists or French painters from the early part of the 20th century. Anyway, I can't remember. <laughs> also, can I just say, you know, earlier that day, you and I split an edible and walked around the orchard and just had, like, a true moment of, like, um, you know, I mean, it's. I, I always think, like, that's what weed is made for, is to, like, put you just where you're not thinking about anything that's to come. You're not thinking about what happened yesterday. You're just truly breathing in the air and feeling the sun on your face and we like talked to some cows and then we had a bit where we were doing like maybe the cows are biomechanical warfare weapons being developed by the American government that are going to turn into like razor sharp teeth creatures that are going to eat you and then I'm going to be locked up in a secure facility and everyone's going to be like where did they go that's what weed is for.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what weed is for. <laughs> that that would be my luck. Like the one time I get to go and hop a fence to pet a cow, and it turns out that it's a bioengineered half Tasmanian devil, half cow that the government is building so that we can yeah. have animal warfare. Razor sharp teeth. I mean So scary. Razor sharp teeth. Yeah. Its eyes turn red, it rips me to shreds, and a helicopter drops down and you disappear. And then And then everyone's
1: <laughs> by the creek. Hanging out and they're like, where did they go? Little did they know we ate weed edibles and got kidnapped by the U.S. government after we stumbled upon <laughs> um, a, a biological experiment with cows.
2: Um, Cowmanian devils? <laughs>
1: yes, Cowmanian, Cowmanian devils for sure. That I can't come up with anything better. <laughs> I also just I wanted to say because it relates to a conversation that we have with one of our with our VIBs about outdoor dining. Um, when we were talking to one of our guests and we used the word picnic that I wanted to do some digging into it because he raised a question about it and the origins of the word picnic. And so we did a little digging and we just wanted to share what we found. And I wanted to read a little bit directly from an article about the term picnic from Reuters because the origins of the word picnic were called into question as having racist origins. So from Reuters, according to an author named Dr. David Pilgrim, the word picnic derives from a 17th century French word, pique-nique, which is a term used to describe a social gathering in which attendees each contributed a portion of food or another useful item. And he writes that a 1692 edition of the book, a book on the origins of the French language includes the word pique-nique. Um, Since the derivative word picnic didn't appear in the English language until around 1800, it suggests that it didn't originate in the U.S. However, the settings in which the lynching of black people occurred in the U.S. during the 19th and 20th centuries could have been appropriately described as picnic-like. Historians have documented that killings by white mobs frequently became public spectacles, and a project by the Equal Justice Initiative entitled Lynching in America notes that during the late 1800s and early 1900s, Quote, white men, women, and children present watched the horrific murders while enjoying deviled eggs, lemonade, and whiskey in a picnic-like atmosphere.
2: Fucking brutal.
1: Yeah, so, so to just summarize, the word picnic, according to this article in Reuters, doesn't originate from these brutal killings, but there is sufficient evidence to corroborate that these often occurred in gatherings that could be referred to as picnics. And this was just really important, to me to dive into in light of our conversation with our VIBs. And you can listen to our guest Mandela talk about it in our interview, but I just wanted to raise it because it was such an important point when he brought it to our attention.
2: If we're going to have community, we got to talk about hard things as well yeah. and learn from them. Yeah. That's what community is all about. You know, community it, is about... it makes the circle tighter.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so important for me to um, community is about conversation and hearing things that are hard to hear and then diving into them and learning more and having an open mind at all times. Like that's, just everything for me. That's what this podcast is about. That's why I love having pushback with you on things and learning from you and and everyone around me. So before we move on to our VIBs and and introducing them and and talking a little bit about Oaksterdam and and the amazing work that they did there, can I just talk a little bit about the tri-tip that we had for dinner last night after you left because you didn't get to experience it and I just wanted to make you jealous. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really know about that cut of meat until I moved to the West Coast, and um, it's just like a really incredible piece of beef that was grilled perfectly, and I'm so excited. The reason I bring it up is because after you and I finish talking today, I am going to make beef stroganoff for the very first time ever with leftovers, and I'm so excited because I've never made beef stroganoff before, but I have a recipe that includes a lot of sour cream and mushrooms and onions and nutmeg and basil. Basil?
2: Yeah. Yum. Mm-hmm. I feel like Beef Stroganoff got a bad rap because of the whole TV dinner, ground, the, the groundswell of TV dinner as community right. of the 70s or 80s. Sometime right before I was born, but it certainly carried over into the 80s and 90s. And so yeah. Beef Stroganoff has this bad rap as this frozen food in front of mori povish bullshit. But I got to say... Every time I've ever had it, it's a top pasta dish for me. It's fucking delicious and it does not deserve the rec- the, the 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 um what's the word? It's been it's been f- painted as something lesser than when it's not
1: it, its reputation has been damaged by the yeah the tv dinners i think there are many incredible dishes like chicken marsala i feel like uh chicken milanese like there are some i think pretty classic dishes that you just poo poo because you're like no gross that's like a weird thing that comes in a box that's tasteless that you microwave but i think when it's fresh it's like a super exciting dish yeah
2: Sal- salisbury steak and meatloaf Right there. Right. Beef Stroganoff, Salisbury steak, meatloaf. I, like, th- they are so good. Do not let the TV dinner era poo poo this delicious food.
1: Don't let that poop on your on your food. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget the first time that I had pasta primavera, real pasta primavera, made with fresh spring vegetables tossed in fresh pasta instead of, I mean, even like an olive garden pasta primavera is fucking delicious. But you know, I'd only ever had like really had this sort of like the frozen kind of like maybe the lean cuisine pasta primavera. And then I've sort of graduated to the like cheesecake factory, olive garden pasta primavera. And then I had pasta primavera and i was like oh mama mia it's fucking delicious and i just saw our friend ali Lou tweet the other day she'd never had a strawberry that tasted as good as it looked and i was like you know i learned about this from my dad who grew up eating wild strawberries which are like super super tiny and they're covered in seeds and they're nothing like these giant fucking commercial strawberries that you get and a tiny tiny wild strawberry is the craziest thing to put in your mouth. It pops and it's just insane flavor. And those big fat fuckers that are Monsanto to death that are, you know, it's like buying farmed salmon. You get those huge fucking fat salmon and it doesn't even taste like anything because it's just farmed. And then you taste a beautiful piece of king salmon like you had and you understand the difference. So I just want to say... Fuck GMOs, fuck factory farming, and fuck TV dinners.
2: (laughs) On that strawberry tip where the smaller ones are a lot better than the big ones, I think we can all agree that carries over into other topics as well. And there's a lot of room for small things that pack a big punch in the world. And I'm not going to name what I'm talking about, but we can all agree that it's not always the size that counts.
1: Okay, good. I want to talk about this with you more, maybe on another, maybe on a Patreon app because I just saw a sign for a coffee shop called the Human Bean, and I was like, "Is that talking about a clit, or <laughs> I don't know?" But let's.
2: How big was that coffee shop?
1: You know, it was like a like a roadside stand, but it was called the Human Tiny. The human bean and I was like, Did you name your coffee shop after the clitoris? Because that is what some people refer to their clit as is their bean. So then I didn't yes, know. I know. Anyway. Because you, do? you flick you know? the bean. Yes. Yeah, of yeah. course okay. I know. I'm that. glad yeah, you never. You okay, all right.
2: I mean maybe it's a woman owned coffee shop and they're like, let's call it or, the
1: clit. Or maybe it's well, I have so many theories, but I think we need to like dedicate a little section on a Patreon to talk about this. <laughs>
2: Okay, all right, great, because you really backtracked on the joke you were about to make, and you really like, swallowed it down.
1: <laughs> There's too much to get into.
2: <laughs> Love it, Mary Jane. I wish you were here recording with me so we could celebrate Oaksterdam together.
1: I know, this was so great. Thank you so much to Natalie at Oaksterdam for introducing us to our VIVs because, well, I mean, we've been just so excited to have conversations with Natalie at Oaksterdam. First off, Oaksterdam University is America's first cannabis college. It was founded in November 2000. By a medical marijuana activist, medical marijuana activist, medical marijuana activist, that's hard to say three times. Um, the tea
2: to do to 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 tea.
1: <laughs> Richard Lee. He was inspired to create Oaksterdam after visiting the cannabis college in Amsterdam. And Natalie, who is a program director at Oaksterdam, had reached out to us and asked us to adjudicate the program where the pitch contest that Cassandra's Harvest, our guests, actually won. It was so amazing. We got to sit and watch all these presentations from folks who had been through this amazing class.
2: Well, I mean, Oaksterdam is the most recognized and biggest cannabis college in the world. So if you're going to go to a cannabis college, this is not only the one to go to, but this is the one that will ho- hopefully like open up an entire world and community to you mm-hmm. that will set you off on a, on a real career in the weed game, which everybody is welcome and we're all here trying to make the world a better place through it. So I can't say enough about how that's what M is all about and that's why Cassandra's Harvest won.
1: And part of their deal was that we would have them as guests on Weed and Grub after their big wins. So Lowe and Mandela are two representatives of the winning team, Cassandra's Harvest. Um, their vision for Cassandra's Harvest, which was really cool. Do you wanna talk about it a little bit before we intro Lo and Mandela?
2: Absolutely, well, they sent us their deck, which is what how they presented it, and I took some screenshots. So we're gonna share those screenshots on our IG to um, support this episode. But ultimately, Cassandra's Harvest is an East Bay dispensary located in the heart of West Oakland. And the idea is that it would be within walking distance to Planned Parenthood and the Grocery Collective, and it would be accessible by public transportation. It would be affordable and community-owned with the priority on hiring local residents who have been impacted by the war on drugs. In addition to partnering with Equality Employment programs, they would buy from women. Thank you. In addition to partnering with equity employment programs, they would buy from women and black owned growers and growers with their own equity programs in place. Plus, they would have events where the communities of color would learn about legal, entrepreneurial, and overall cannabis education that they have all been deprived of. I mean, what more can you ask for in this game that is? Full of super rich white dudes profiting off the fucking backs of people who are imprisoned and disenfranchised than a place in the middle of West Oakland like Cassandra's Harvest that brings community together for all the right reasons and then gives back to that entire community too. Ugh! I'm inspired I fucking love this shit Mary Jane I fucking love it
1: me too it was really cool to talk to Lo and Mandela and they represented their whole team and we're so grateful for their time to come on Weed and Grab and talk about the work that they are doing their vision for what the cannabis industry could be and how it needs to and should give back and through their work what they're doing to ensure that that's happening it was just a really cool conversation I'm so grateful for their time and to Natalie again at Oaksterdam for introducing us and having us as uh, folks who were part of that panel to listen to all of the amazing teams present their work.
2: Hundred percent. This is a real combo with real good people. <laughs> yeah. So without further ado, here is our interview with
1: Lo Nunez Gonzalez and Mandela Masani of Cassandra's Harvest. Thank you so much for joining us, Lo and Mandela. It's awesome to have you here as representatives of the winning team from the Business Challenge at Oaksterdam University. Congratulations on Ooh. Ooh. winning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank
1: Thanks. you so much for coming on Weed and Grub to tell us about yourselves and what you do and who you are and everything you learned at Oaksterdam. I'm so excited to get into it with you. First off, can you just introduce yourselves?
3: Thanks for having us. My name is Lo, and um, I was like the group chair, I suppose, so I was really just in charge of communication and setting up meetings. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to be here, honestly. Cannabis is a huge passion of mine, and working with Mandela and the rest of our group mates, Bea, um, Dylan, and they were all just so
1: amazing. Yeah, it was a. The, the whole vibe when we watched your presentation, your group just seemed super in sync with a great vision. So really looking forward to hearing about how that came about. Mandela, can you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Uh,
0: my name is Mandela Massani. Um, I am the... The I
3: CEO.
0: <laughs> the CEO. <laughs> the CEO of Cassandra's Harvest. My specialty are events and the neighborhood, the community. I was the voice to the streets, the voice to the people that we were looking to support. And I think that's what made us so unique is actually having that um, voice and that being something that we are are making very important.
2: Would you talk a little bit about Let's let's start with Oaksterdam and then Cassandra's Harvest and then also dive deep into who you both are individually and how it all came together. So, uh-huh. what brought you low to Oaksterdam?
3: Well, um, actually, I graduated from Portland State la- like virtually last June, and right after, I really thought that the only way to get at, like a professional spot in the industry was through like retail or distribution ownership, right? So I started working at a dispensary, and, like, in during my interview, the then manager let me know that she was actually, at one point, valedictorian or whatever of Oaksterdam, and I was like, what even is Oakstradam, whatever? And so I instantly started looking it up, and I found out that it was, like, the first cannabis trade school college kind of thing in the U.S., which was just so amazing and interesting, and, you know, she told me that she was a valedictorian, so I was like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, it's clearly possible to do something like that, and I was just so intrigued by it and my job at the time the dispensary that i worked at right now and then i worked as a bud tender they actually offered this program where if you took any of the courses whether it's like the self-paced ones or the semester they reimbursed it as long as you passed with like above a b they reimbursed it and i've always been the kind of person to take all of the (laughs) free opportunities that i can get and so it's like hell yeah like let's do a semester include the bud tending certification this and that Um, And yeah, so that's kind of how I learned about it and how I
1: begun the program. Awesome. How about you, Mandela? How did you join Oaksterdam University?
0: Wow. So I was at a cannabis event. I don't even want to give you all the year, (laughs) but it was was a while ago. And a a good friend, uh, her name was Tally, was having an event and they were giving scholarships um it was actually doing was it doing Pride Month I think it was so she was giving scholarships to the LGBTQ uh community trans community um and I happened to get a scholarship as well being a uh, queer black male um and that's literally how I got into Oxfordam uh, was a uh, through her uh, and and get her done productions. So yeah, wow. and my my journey in this industry has, has 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 been a lot and has been very informative and eye opening. So to be able to go to what seems like the pinnacle with my expertise and my experience, you know, is uh, was really great. So, Tally if you're listening, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That scholarship was not wasted, and I really appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to, you know, uplift myself and have access to this knowledge.
1: Now that you graduated from the program, are you both working in the cannabis industry today? Yeah, for
3: sure. Um, I mean, I know Mandela has been working in this industry, and I started working at a butt tender. I was working as a butt tender for a different company, um, and I, you know, stuck around with them for a while, not really always wanting to, but they were paying for this thing so I had to suck around with them. Um, and once I graduated and everything from the program, I've been able to move on to a different dispensary that just aligns so well with my goals and my values and they're just amazing. You know, they are so much more than retail. They actually invest in their community and do fundraising and all of these things that I have been wanting to attach myself to. And so, I'm still working in the industry, but I'm just way more satisfied because I'm actually you know, connected to something that I
0: align with. That's so beautiful, Lo. <laughs> yeah, I've been in the industry, as Lo said, for for quite some time. Um, getting my start at uh, um, it was a a consignment it was a consignment clothing store and a, a Measure Z uh, club. So the store was called Town Biz and the actual elevated portion of it actually became the people's dispensary. And I got my start with people from the community as as wellness, not just getting high or smoking or, you know, it was black bodies, queer bodies coming in and saying that, yo, I need this for, for me, my wellness, dealing with these white people, all that stuff, unapologetically And that ecosystem and that community inspired me to actually create my own program. So I, I have a SB34 uh, compassion program that uplifts and shares education specifically for the black community and highlights us and yeah. our struggles and our stories. And it gets us medicine. So in my, what, graduation of Oaksterdam, um, I've been in this, I was, I was doing this way before I went to Oaksterdam and I look forward to doing more in my time after cuz now I have this network this ecosystem like even even in our team we were like all right well what's more 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 strategic to be on this call to be in this space the whole space you know like i really feel that we 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 became a family like this process was was hard for me my mother passed away all while every wednesday or every saturday like we had meeting after meeting and i just stayed present, stayed communicative as I could. And like, we all held it down for each other. And it was so beautiful to just see my little school family that came from this project.
2: Sorry to hear about your mother. That's, uh, yo, that's real. Before we get into Cassandra's Harvest and and that final project, I'd love to go back from what you just talked about a bit because in Cassandra's Harvest, what resonated with both of us was that like pie chart of community giving back, a central hub, for people to come to and connect, like not only as a great hang, but a, a like a f- flag planted in the ground that says like all are welcome and we want to welcome all. Uh, is that coming from your family? Is that coming from you because you didn't have that growing up? Like where's this sense of community and needing to be, uh, like, needing to make an impact world come from for both of you. I, again, starting with low, just because that seems to have been the system so far. So, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know?
3: Honestly, for me, like, I've always been involved in community development. Like, since, <clears throat> I mean, both of my parents are immigrants. So, since I was young, I've had to be involved in just like volunteer work and activism to a really extreme sense. <laughs> and so, I'm used to not having any resources for you just because we are all like, you know, part of this community that's neglected. And so I'm lucky enough to have this upbringing where I know what it's like to have to fend for yourself and fight for yourself. So that's why I think, you know, in historically disenfranchised communities, we have that solidarity because we don't have, you know, the big man looking out for us all the time. We have the big man literally out against us. And so that's why I think that goes back to like Cassandra's Harvest and the valleys. We really wanted it to be more than just a dispensary. There's enough retail dispensaries. This is not just another Walmart or Walgreens, you know, like you have to prepare people with how to like know their rights, their legal rights. That was a big like fictional event that we wanted to have, but like things where people who are from the inside and we know the kind of knowledge that we don't have, you know, mm-hmm. so now that we do have a privileged enough position to have this power, these resources, We want to give all that back, right? So I think that, for me anyway, the experience has always been, because we have always been neglected by the system, we kind of have to fend for ourselves and make our own little kins.
0: I'm just going to just piggyback off a low because it's just gang gang all all around here at Cassandra's Harvest. But um, for me, the community is the light source. So if you are coming into a neighborhood or a situation and you're not uplifting the people that's around you in that situation, then you're not serving anybody but yourself. So <clears throat> I've always known that that's the hub and being in this industry, as long as I have been in this industry, I have seen the boys club. I have seen the, the little cliques and I'm just like, I'm from the class of people who's been most affected by the drug war. So my whole act of being is revolution in itself. And there are people that are making millions while there are people that look like me still incarcerated. Mothers, fathers, sisters, wives, like queer people, trans people. While people get to have these dispensaries and charge out the ass... Mm. Mm-hmm. Mind you, like there, there is no shortage in weed money. And to just see that and just know that like, yo, our dollar is very important. We have the power. If us as a people were like, you know what? I'm only going to mess with the dispensaries who really serve me, who really have my values, number one. Yeah. And to bring it back to what I'm doing with compassion It really just shows who's really for us, because now with compassion, you can mark off. This is just for medical patients and it not be taxed. So the companies who, oh, I didn't know about this or I did not know about that. Well, you know, like here's your direct line to be able to serve the community that you're in, because a lot of the times when you do have a there's a license that's involved, that's uh, a certain amount of money so it's not like these these companies they might not have the the big big company money but that there there has to be a give and take when it comes to the community and i and i and i've seen from my years of being an activist and holding space for the community that's what they want they want to feel like i'm not just in here spending my dollar i'm here To get wellness
1: let's talk about that specifically with cassandra's harvest because i know part of your mission statement was to support by buying from women-owned and black-owned businesses specifically and social equity can you talk about just the very specifics of what cassandra's harvest looked like and whether or not you think that that's a real business model that you would like to introduce into the world
3: well i know that you know within our like buying procedures that we had made up a big part of it was ensuring that all of these businesses were genuinely not only owned by you know diverse populations but also empower their employees and not just carry these like labels of you know we are black owned we are women owned because I think that that's become a really big with like performative allyship and I think that just investigating and always right always questioning <laughs> all of that stuff you know that was a big a big um, aspect in our procedures
1: can you say more about money language
0: like we see it, we see it all the time. Like equity is 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 a money word. It's it's a it's a one that folks use very often, and oftentimes, folks aren't as equitable as they seem. And one of the things that I really was uh was was pushing for with Cassandra's Harvest is equity being an action word, not just mm-hmm. a a a word, you know, because if we're going to say equity then what are we doing that's equitable and how are we bigging up the folks that have been most disenfranchised in a real way Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times these people use these words even black lives matter you know they use these words to say that i support a thing i support a thing but they really don't and a word only goes so far yeah it's action so what actions are we doing We actively want to turn the community and change how the dollar circulates by making more owners, making more businesses, making people, and offering education. Because once you're able to educate yourself in this industry, it's a it's a whole different world for you. And a lot of the times in the disenfranchised community, education was one of the first things that were taken. Don't let them learn about themselves. Don't let them know themselves. Because if they know themselves, then they, then they don't need us.
2: And then you have companies like Chevy Trucks who are like, mm. this Pride Month, we've got low APR financing. Go Pride and get a truck. And oh, that's, my God. Right? I can't. Yeah. That,
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, that's it's crazy.
3: Cannabis companies are doing that, too. Yeah. I've already seen, like, the products that we carry at our store, they have, like, mm. all of these, like, little, you know, rainbows on them and i'm like this is beautiful and amazing but like have you supported them in the past or right. is it just right now like that's all right. you know ties in performative allyship what are your actions
0: performative allyship oh my fucking gosh low yes because <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: it's everywhere in this business yeah what it do
0: you definitely do when, is yeah
1: don't put a don't put a pride flag on just for this month and then you know what are you doing the rest of the year for oh my gosh month. come on
0: now <laughs> <laughs> right that's that's what the holidays are like. Don't treat me bad all year, and then on a holiday, be like, "Here's your gift." Like, <laughs> no, like, wow, like, we 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 me and Lo and the rest of our team definitely are standing in the light of our ancestors and, and knowing that, like, even though that this was, even though this was a project, this is still something very true to our to our hearts. Oh and yeah, I'm sure that's what like stood out to everyone. Like, this is not just a like, I'm really thinking of ways to how can I incorporate what I'm doing with these folks? Or how can I, like, oh, I see Lowe does this thing. Like, how can I work yeah. with Lowe in the future? Like,
3: like honestly, the ideas that we came in are, like, I, I wrote my senior, like, sociology thesis thing on the racist and, like, you know, discrepancies that exist in the industries. These are things that I've been saying. And I had multiple, like, presentations with the company that I, I worked at at one point telling them like these are the initiatives we should take oh we should host like these kind of workshops or do Mm -hmm. like literally the same values the same mission the same every single thing I've been saying because this is my passion like this is what you know all of us this is what we've been saying and we've all just kind of been like ignored little pieces here and there and so for us to have that platform I think we all really just gave it our all because we were like damn like they're finally listening (laughs) like this is it you know like it's all fake we were like fuck yeah million dollar budget like you know (laughs) Yeah, so it really was more more than just a project to us.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it because you were the business team that won, but I'm seeing so much more about your entire team as, you know, coming out into the world as cannabis educators as well as entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to tell the story yeah. of your communities and making. The cannabis industry pay attention to the people that they really need to take a look at right now yeah and like i just
3: want to quickly mention b who is like unfortunately not able to make it today they are a very diverse like you know person too and they i think represent like the gender fluid community very well as well as the autistic community very well and they just shine light on so many issues that are underrepresented in society you know there are other types of minorities that exist in the industry and are getting neglected and i think that we had a very interesting group that was able to speak their lived truths very well. And we all brought that to the table very well.
2: Uh, we I wanted to transition a little because this is weed and grub and talk about snacks because mm. I mean, mm. they're kind of I love food. Yo, right? Mm. Like they're kind of the most important thing <laughs> in the world. Mm. <laughs> I love food. <laughs> So what are we cooking? What are we snacking on? What's, what are you hankering for right now?
3: I don't eat animal products. So that already limits a lot of my stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm huge on like nuts and popcorn and like, yeah.
2: Do you have that vegan restaurant or, um, or recipe that is your go-to, where you're like, "Look out, friends! I'm about to blow your mind."
3: Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, actually, I make salsa that's infused that people hella like, and okay, also, I like, yeah, yeah, for real. And also, like, vegan banana chocolate chip muffins <laughs> that are infused and stuff. Wait, yeah,
1: wait, so wait! We got to go back to the those. salsa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the salsa. <laughs> Let's just hold, the hold, salsa hold everything we need to know about infused salsa. What are you infusing? Olive oil or what? What part of it is infused? yes?
3: Well. Okay, I already use, like, an infused olive oil that we have here in Santa Cruz that's local, um, but I just, like, make my own salsa, and it's a thousand milligram, like, little thing, so I just, like, make a whole big batch of it, and then I just literally just send it, pour that bitch in, mix it in, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then people go crazy, and, like, actually, I, um, they really like it, because, like, the whole thing's a thousand milligrams, right, but, like, you just wow. get a few, like, things, it's, like, a <laughs> microdose almost, but it's pretty good, and, like, the lime and the cilantro flavor just, like, overpower the cannabisy flavor a little bit. So it tastes, like, great. So, Oof. yeah.
0: Put me down for a jar. <laughs> I mean, Fire. What's your snack game, Mandela? What's up? What's your snack game or your food game? What yeah, are you what cooking? Yeah, what are you bringing to the picnic? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, to be truthfully and honest, I don't use the word picnic because of its context and how it uh, was used back in the day. So uh, I like
1: Can you say more about that, please? Yeah.
0: So the word picnic comes from the word uh, pick a nigger. Oh uh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So there's, there's a there's a lot of little things that are in our society that have very racial contexts. Um, but uh, yeah, that where people would come around and, and we know that. They would have their picnic basket and hang a hang a motherfucker from a tree. So, oh, you know
1: man. Wow. fire
0: I definitely want to, in, in my own, standing for my own truth and just, you know, with these platforms that I come across and people who are wanting to listen, like, yeah. open up these minds. and.
3: Fuck yes. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah
3: literally, thank you.
0: But, uh, what's in my basket? <laughs> 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 um, I love seafood. Um, I I, <laughs> I remember we made, we did an infused salmon one time. And we got a roommate of our, uh, like a past roommate, really, really high. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I she love- she just like, laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> um, I love burritos. I had a burrito yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, they make me very happy, especially when they're really good. And I believe a burrito can stand alone and just be rice and beans Whoa. and no meat. Whoa. Like, if, if, if you can do that, then like, you're, you're official. Yeah. So this place that I go to, I'm not going to give it away because I don't want to see your faces at my spot. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but if you're ever in Oakland and want to get a burrito, let me know and I'll take you. Then you'll know. Bet. Done. But until then, I'm not going to. Take it. <laughs> but uh, I get this bean and cheese burrito and it's just it's and I get a I get a lime, mm-hmm. and I just I just fucks it up like it's amazing. And I'm just like, you have no meat, no extraness. You know, it's just some cheese, some refried beans, some good rice, and some sour cream, and a tortilla. Wow. Damn.
1: Do you have something (laughs) that you love to smoke right now that goes nicely with that burrito?
0: Oh. So, I keep dropping these selfless plugs, and I'm going to continue to. (laughs) But I have a compassion program called Black of Joy. And, We've been blessed to have some fire, fire products um, given to us um, via our sponsors, and uh, I want to shout out uh, Santa Cruz Farms. Um, I've been smoking their strawberry bananas.
3: Oh my god, Santa Cruz Cana Farms, thirty-four percent or thirty-one percent testing, right?
0: Yeah. Is it that
3: one? Yeah. Oh, it's so fire!
0: Oh yeah, strawberry so bananas. Um, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> and uh, they uh so i have this uh event where um i let my because my focus is the joy part right so we have the wellness the people and the joy so when i do my box days I, i i have events and the last one i had comedians come out i had djs come out um just to sum that all up um santa cruz farms was in attendance and uh they gave me this this uh a half ounce of strawberry bananas, and it was just so it's an uplifting social um like the terpene profile was so amazing and it it just felt really good like yeah. I like I like I like flowers that make you feel good, you know.
2: Well, what about yourself, Lo? What do you, What do you, What are you excited about right now?
3: Honestly, that strawberry bananas is so fire.
0: So <laughs> that one is really good, no cap.
3: But it I is. really have been liking. Um, I was smoking this one called Forest Fruit, which is by one of my favorite growers here in Santa Cruz, um, mm. and it's actually used with a really new like regenerative method of growing called Hugiculture, I believe. Okay. Which we learned about a little bit. But basically, to my understanding, it just preserves the nutrients very well um, in the flour. And it was so similar to just like a classic Jack career. Like just Ooh. so piney, but also oh kind of spicy. Gosh. And it was like so creative, like amazing. And I love smoking right before like my runs and stuff too. So mm. I just have something to think about in the background. Mm-hmm. And so I just like blazed up, got hella high. And then it's just like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, so yeah, that.
2: I would be f- fucking up if I didn't pitch a like sesh with that Santa Cruz strain your salsa mm. and these mm. secret non-meat burritos
0: as mm. like oh just like Boy oh boy, <laughs> that
2: one took such
3: a
1: good time! Yeah.
0: we gotta make that. We gotta make that happen.
1: I know meet
3: everyone. Up. Y'all are invited. Yep, yeah, <laughs>
0: nope. cool. Thank you. Nope.
1: Well, before we go, can you give us your plugs where we can find mm. you, where we can look out for everything that you are doing?
3: Um, well, my Instagram handle, if you all wanna follow it, is underscore la rainbow underscore. So that's just again underscore L O. Rainbow underscore, <laughs> and then I actually had my first article go um li- like live public, which I'm really excited about, and that was through the Cannabis Workers Coalition. They're an amazing organization that's based in Portland, the Pacific Northwest, that like literally advocate for the exact demographics that we're talking about. And um, if you want to find that, that's through their website, and it's just called Beyond Regulation. I'm really excited about it. It's the only like public thing that I've had so far, but I'm I mean I guess this now, right? We're going up.
2: <laughs> Congrats. So, we'll put that article in our show notes too.
3: Oh, perfect. Yeah. So yeah.
0: If you would like to find me on Instagram, my personal Instagram is music underscore ra. So it's M-U-Z-I-K underscore R A. If you would like to find out how you can support and be a part of Black Canon Joy. You can find us on Instagram as well. And that's B-L-K-C-A-N-N-A-J-O-Y. And lastly, uh, I do work with lots and lots of artists preserving this culture of Oakland and inspiring to the future. So if you would like to tap in with me on that front, you can hit me at A-N-Y, the letter X-M-E-A-N-S. So that's X means. And uh, yeah, I talk back. I love to meet new people. I love to collab. I love to network, and I am so thankful that we have this opportunity to have these conversations. Because when people are talking, people are listening,
3: and when people are listening, they get inspired, and then maybe they'll go do nice things with their rich money. <laughs> Come on,
0: tagline, you look like <laughs> harvest,
2: You
3: feel me?
0: You
3: know what I'm saying
2: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. It feels. It feels. It's important it's yeah. real
1: so important y'all are cool as hell thank you so much you. for this conversation yeah, it's all love. For everything. Yeah.
2: um if you would like to follow us we are at weed and grub on instagram our email is wg at weed and grub.com hit us up about anything i'm addicted to my phone so i'll probably see it right away um, give us a five star review on I- apple itunes if you can and thank you all so much we'll see you again soon bye everyone
1: thank you. Bye.